1: And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice.
0: And now to our story. Having prevented an unscrupulous nephew from stealing the rights to Dr. Roebling's secret voice machine, Clark Kent has earned the elderly inventor's undying gratitude. And as a result, has been given the much sought-after privilege of witnessing a demonstration of the machine, together with Lois Lane and Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet. It is now five o'clock. The hour fixed for the demonstration. Kent, Lois, and Editor White are assembled in the basement laboratory of Dr. Roebling's home, an ancient mansion on the outskirts of Metropolis. On a table in front of them is a huge box resembling a radio, but adorned with an imposing array of dials and gauges. Dr. Roebling is talking. Listen.
3: Now, before I start the demonstration, I want once again to express my appreciation to you, Miss Lane, and to you, Mr. Kent, for your invaluable assistance to me. Mr. White, you may well be proud of your
1: employee. Don't pile it on too thick, Dr. Roebling. They'll be asking for substantial increases. <laughs> well, if they do, they deserve it. And now to the business at hand.
3: Uh, you know what happens when you throw a stone into a pool of water? It, it makes a circle of little waves that keep traveling further and further out until they just disappear. That's correct, Miss Lane. Now, the same principle applies to the spoken word. The moment my voice leaves my lips, it sets up a series of vibrations or sound waves that strike your eardrums, and are immediately translated into the words that I've spoken.
1: Does radio communication work the same way, Dr. Roebling?
3: In a similar manner, Mr. White. Uh, But now we'll go one step further. It's always been believed that unless sound waves are captured immediately, they're forever lost. Uh, Let me explain. Assume that none of you were in this room at the moment. Uh, I'm alone. And I say, one, two, three, four, five. However, since none of you is within what we call listening distance or earshot, You cannot hear me. Now, five minutes later, you entered the room. Do you think you would hear what I had said five minutes before? Of course not. That's impossible. Well, they said radio
1: was impossible, Lois. Yes, and travel by air. Nothing is impossible, Miss Lane.
3: I have definitely proven that sound waves never vanish. Unfortunately, your ear is not a sensitive enough mechanism with which to pick them up once most of their force has been used. And that is where my voice machine comes in. You mean your
1: machine can pick up voices no matter when they were created? Yes, Mr. White. Now, I'll demonstrate.
3: Uh, You recall a few minutes ago I said that you could be proud of your two employees, Miss Lane and
1: Mr. Kent? Uh, What was your reply? Now, let's see. Uh, He said not to pile it on too thick or we'd ask for salary increases. uh, Yes, that was it.
3: Now, I'll turn the machine on and see whether we can pick up that sentence, Mr. White. Now, I turn this directional dial to the approximate location of this room. And I adjust this gauge to the exact time when the sentence was spoken. Uh, which I noted on a stopwatch while we were talking, by the way. I uh, throw this switch. And
1: now see what happens. Don't fire it on too thick, Dr. Roebling. They'll be asking what I'll <laughs> Well, there you are. It's amazing. What? I
3: can't believe my ears. Well, now, let's try it with something that you said, Miss Len. I particularly noted your answer to one of my questions. Uh, what happens when you throw a stone into a pool of water? Why, well, well, yes, I said. Now, but... now, don't tell me what you said. Let the voice machine do that. Now, all we have to do is to set the time gauge and throw the switch. It makes a circle of little waves that keep traveling further and further out until they
1: just disappear. Dr. Rowan, this is incredible. Well, now
3: you can see why I vow that never will this device be placed in private hands.
1: Why, with your voice machine, war would be eliminated. It would be ridiculous for one nation to plot against another because the very plot could be exposed for all the world to hear. And a a world such as, well, Abraham Lincoln dreamed of would actually become a reality.
3: Your enthusiasm is very gratifying, Mr. Kent. Uh, You spoke of Abraham Lincoln... Uh, would you like to hear his Gettysburg address? Oh. Is that possible? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we have the exact time and place. It was 10 o'clock in the morning on November 10th, 1863, at the National Cemetery at Gettysburg. Now, a moment. I'll adjust the dials and gauges. Kent, we're witnessing man's greatest creation. The most thrilling thing I've ever experienced. Now, uh, I think we're ready, gentlemen and listening. Now, I'll throw the switch. What was that? Why, oh, I don't Oh why, of course, of course, it's the sound of a crowd of people gathered there to hear it. Uh, listen, listen.
1: Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged. Is that really Lincoln talking? Uh,
3: I'll turn the volume down. But it's his voice, Miss
1: Lincoln. Of
3: course, Lincoln has been dead for more than 75 years, but his voice lives on and it will live on forever.
1: Dr. Roebling, I want to shake your hand and congratulate you. Well, thank you, Mr. White. I want to add my
3: congratulations to Mr. White, Dr. Roebling. And mine as well. It's a miracle, that's all it is. Well, you're all very kind, and I thank you again. Now I have just one favor to ask.
1: Name it, and it's yours.
3: Well, I told you that I would give the Daily Planet the first opportunity to tell the complete story of the voice machine. Yes. Well, I
1: don't intend to
3: go back on that promise. Good. However, I'm going to ask you to wait just a few days until
1: this model, the only one in existence, can be delivered to the government. Why, of course we'll wait. And now, if you don't mind, Doctor, I'd like to hear the rest of Lincoln's address. Well, certainly, certainly. I'll turn the volume up. Last of the last of that we hear highly resolved that the dead shall not have died in vain, that the nation shall, under God, have a new birth to free, and that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people, shall not perish from the earth.
2: Imagine standing here and, and listening
1: to Lincoln's voice delivering those immortal words. Well, I, I can't find enough adjectives to describe it, Doctor. It's, it's just stupendous. Uh, now I can see the service that Kent and Lewis did for you in rounding up that crooked nephew of yours. Uh, what happened to them eventually, uh, he and his wife? I assume you turned them over to the police.
3: Well, no, Mr. White, I didn't. Hmm? Uh, to my knowledge, it's the boy's first misstep. I couldn't bring myself to give him a police
1: record. But I think he's learned a lesson. Mm, I hope so. Well, I've got to get back to the office. Uh, what about you, Kent? Lois? We'll go back with you, Mr. White. I'll call you in a day or two, Dr. Roebling, and thanks again. Well,
3: that's quite all right. Now, here, I'll lead you up the
1: steps. Well, Lois, Kent, you two have the opportunity of a lifetime to write the greatest story ever written about the greatest thing...
0: Having witnessed the demonstration that left them spellbound, Kent, Lois, and Harry White leave Dr. Roebling's huge house in the suburbs and drive into town, pledged to temporary secrecy concerning the amazing machine that snatched the voice of Lincoln, the great emancipator, out of the air and made it live and breathe again. But unknown to any of them, including the elderly inventor, shift the eyes are watching their departure from behind the hedge surrounding the property, the eyes of Jack Roebling. Crouched beside him is his blonde wife, Chickie. As the taillights of Perry White's car vanish in the distance, Jack Roebling stands erect. Okay. He's alone now.
3: Come on. Oh, Jack, you're mad. Please don't do it. If they catch you, this time it's jail, for a long stretch.
2: Nobody's gonna catch
3: me. Oh, that's what you said before, and look what happened. He could have sent us up for five years, but he let us go. What more do you want? Now listen to
2: me. I'm the only living relative he's got. He's old, and he'll kick off soon. But unless he's got dough, what good will it do me?
3: Oh, I don't know, Jack. Why take any chances? I'm not taking
2: any chances. The machine won't do me any good now. Couldn't sell it if I had it, now that those newspaper mugs know what happened. But it's insured for 10 million snackers. That means if I bust it up, the old man is rich. And I'm his only living relative. You're crazy if you think he'll leave it to you. He won't have to leave it. He's got no will and he'll never have one. That dough will be mine, every cent of it. Come on, we're wasting time. Oh, Jack,
3: please don't do it. Come
2: on, I said. I know this house like a book. My old man used to bring me here when I was a kid. The laboratory's down in the basement. And there are three windows to it at the back of the house. This way. Jack, please. Shut no. up. I know what I'm doing. Now, wait a minute. Hold up. Keep down. There he is on the second floor in this library.
3: He'll hear you're trying to get into the basement and call the police. No, you
2: won't. The floors in that house are three feet thick. Come on. But keep low. You got the hacksaw? Yeah. You see? He's got iron bars on the window. Give it to me. Oh,
3: for the last time, I Jack. told
2: you to shut up. You don't like it scram
3: all right. I will. Come back here.
2: You're in this up to your neck. you sit tight.
3: But I don't want any part of it.
2: Your uncle treated you better than you deserve,
3: And now you're knifing him in the back.
2: Since when are you getting so touchy? Your hands aren't so clean. I know
3: it, and I don't want to get them any dirty. You'll
2: get them as dirty as mine and like it. Can you hand over that saw. Yes. Five bars. Uh, this won't take long. Go on. You keep an eye out and let me know if you see anyone. And don't cross me if you know what's good for Where's the can of oil?
3: In your pocket.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. Now, let's see how this saw works. Ah, perfect. In a half hour, this window will be
0: wide open. With sharp steel teeth biting into the yielding metal, it will only be a matter of time before the iron bars guarding the precious voice machine will be no more. And then what? Will Jack Roebling go through with his diabolical plan to destroy the machine and thereby rob the world of its most startling invention? Don't miss the next episode. There's a thrill a minute with Superman. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with
1: Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's
2: a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman.
1: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.